2022, the Expo 2020 Dubai reunited the world and the Global Goals thematic week that highlighted the midway point for the SDG, shifting to a higher gear to accelerate the successful implementation of the SDGs. What do we require today, Your Excellency? Distinguished delegates, dear colleagues, it is my pleasure to address this audience at the World Government Summit. I express my gratitude to the organizers of this annual event for the opportunity to discuss about the, about the goals of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and the role of transformational leadership. Economy in 2022 is operating in a complex, uncertain and constantly changing context from digital transformation to the impact of the pandemic and the urgency to deliver a more inclusive and resilient society to the vital need to preserve limited resources and to protect the environment, leaders must deliver sustainable solutions for near, medium and long term. At this moment when the global economy faces strong headwinds, there is an opportunity for leaders to not only accelerate growth to the near term, but to lay the foundation for a more resilient and sustainable economy for the years as in February, the president of the World Economic Forum, Borg Brande, said, this is indeed a challenging economic context. It is the right moment when leaders can put into practice policies that will revitalize economies in the near, medium, and long term, and also is the right time to feel trust among people and to build resilience, the two ingredients for a healthy global economy now in the future. But how can we do this? We must ensure global growth is more inclusive by delivering sustainable investment to underfinanced economies. Also, we must empower the digital transformation and we need to foster affordable digital access to everyone by 2030. We also need to develop the green economy. This requires fundamentally transforming our economies and invest more in new zero carbon solutions. And as we all know, a green transition can add millions of jobs and trillions of dollars to the global economy. Sustainable development is a shared goal on a global scale and it requires joint efforts by all nations to achieve sustainable use of natural resources and prosperity for all. A competitive and sustainable industry plays a key role in accelerating economic growth reducing poverty through productive activities and achieving all the sustainable development goals set out in the agenda of 2030. In this respect, it is necessary to support the strengthening of value chains and the implementation of best performing technologies, promoting the circular economy, competitiveness, encouraging industrial trade and the development of the private sector. Today's approaches to leadership development are simply not delivering the leaders' leadership capabilities required for long-term economic success. An option is to rethink the leadership development strategies in order to meet the, chan uh, the changing context. The governments and also the private sector need a new form of leadership development which will help us reframe our purpose and our strategies in order to achieve the 2030 Agenda goals. And I would challenge everybody to talk about transformational leadership, 
but also about renovation of the leadership culture in all sectors, both in private and in public, in order to preserve the good part of the leadership styles, what we have achieved so far, but also renovate in order to, let's say, bring the leadership style at the next level. We need to focus on promoting digital economy, strengthening scientific research, modernizing the technological cap capacities of industrial sectors, and most of all, encourage innovation is in all sectors. We all know that digital transformation is revolutionizing our economies and our societies with rapid technological advances. By accelerating the digital transformation and fostering innovation, we can achieve progress towards every single of the sustainable developments from 2030 agenda. Technology creates, creates new jobs, enables resilient work and commerce, and stimulates wider social and economic development. Digital innovation framework helps countries, cities, and other communities and systems accelerate their digital transformation and stimulate innovative entrepreneurship. Digital technologies are suitable for producing widespread effects involving all aspects of sustainable development conditions, including global productivity, equality and inclusion, and environmental protection as well. As we all know, the digital transformation will not only depend on digital technologies, but also on principles and values as people at the center, solidarity and inclusion, freedom of choice, participation, safety and security, empowerment and sustainability. The key to bringing the digital transformation to all nations, peoples and communities is the development of public-private partnership. Thank you. Thank you, Your Excellency, for highlighting the need of definite development and partnerships. With one hour to go, I'd like to finally invite our distinguished guests, the panelists on stage. His Excellency, Dr. Tarak al gurg Chief Executive Officer and Vice Chairman of Dubai Cares. Dr. Manal Al-Tariyab, Chief Executive Officer of the Healthcare primary healthcare sector at Dubai Health Authority and Chief Executive Officer and Board Member of Noor Dubai Foundation. Dr. Sonia Ben-Jafar, Chief Executive Officer of the Abdullah Al-Gharir Foundation for Education. And our moderator for this session, Ms. Elena Siegel, a partner at Kearney, where she works with companies and governments across a wide range of industries throughout the world to solve their most critical strategic issues, being mindful of time. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry. Um, it is a true pleasure to be here with all of you today. Um, and we have already heard so much from the speakers before us on the importance of partnership and driving implementation through meaningful engagement across a range of different dimensions of society, whether it be the community, the government, nonprofits, and the private sector. And it is an honor to have the opportunity to speak with all of you 
with your great experience in actually driving successful implementation of programs that are making real substantive achievements against the SDGs. So thank you very much for your presence today. Um, your Excellency, if I may begin with you, um, Dubai Cares has had tremendous achievements since its inception in 2007. You've reached millions of children across 60 different countries, many of which have been challenged by both natural disasters, um, conflict, as well as those that are developing economies. This is an incredible achievement since the inception of Dubai Cares. Um, I would like to ask you, you know, many developing countries, girls are often left behind when it comes to education and opportunities. Um, in your view, how does action around SDG 4, quality education, make a difference in helping to move forward also SDG 5 around gender, gender equality. Thank you, Elena. Um, um, I would probably, thank you, I would probably start by telling you what's happening in the world right now, uh, especially uh, post-COVID. Um, um, we have around um, 250 million children who are out of school. We have 750 million children and youth who are not able to read and write. And if we keep everything the same in terms of financing and in, in terms of keeping exactly the same uh, existing education system around the world, uh, we will end up having 20% of the youth and 30% of the adults in 2030 not knowing how to read. That's the problem that we have. Um, what we're talking about, that we will eventually, by 2050, will have a problem with 1.8 billion uh, people, uh, and that's through literacy. Um, um, the sector of education uh, uh, pre-COVID was not united. Um, um, it was fragmented. Uh, don't understand me wrong. I'm not saying no one is doing their jobs, but e each one has a, a big mandate. Uh, from the um, international organizations, whether those are UN or multilaterals, NGOs, or uh, the global mechanisms. Um, um, what COVID did, it, it kind of united the sector right now. The problem with the sector still, there is no coordination and collaboration at the highest level. And if we think that we can sit and do pilots in some countries that succeeds and, and get some achievements done with a, with, with a number of, or, or a cluster of, of, of children, Fine, I mean, but I think it's enough for us to do research and experiment. This is education, what we're talking about. We're talking about the future of humanity. Uh, you asked me a question about girls. How can we get girls' education, girls having access to education and getting solutions to girls, especially girls who are refugees who are migrating from one country to another, who have their own problems, especially after puberty, whether they have the facilities and the tools to be dignified. We won't be able to solve all these issues if we're not united. Now, luckily, uh, as I mentioned, COVID started uniting the sector uh, a bit. And you have UN agencies with global mechanisms, such as the World Bank um, and some others, are uniting in terms of strategy. Um, uh, is a lot have been done? I will tell you not. Uh, are we willing uh, to do it? Yes. But if we, if, if, if we don't work according to what we all want, according to one alignment, one strategy, to coordinate together towards one path that will eliminate all these obstacles, whether it's access to education, quality education, we will have these issues. Now, 
um, um, luckily, luckily, I'm not being biased, by the way, um, we found a solution as Dubai Cares, and that's why we, 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 we did the Rewired Summit back in uh, December here at, at, at Expo, and we united the sector, well, to an extent, to, to, to our outreach. But what we need, uh, uh, so, so we got everyone from, from academia to youth to NGOs to UN to teachers, um, um, private sector for the first time being involved with um, the education sector. The problem is, do we have the power to go and have global advocacy? Can we convince governments for policy change? I would tell you no, we're no one. So we need an entity that can do that, a powerful entity. And we, are, we, we were blessed that the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres announced uh, the UN Summit on Transforming Education, and that's going to happen the next UN General Assembly in New York. Now, that's a complementary role because they're going to work on advocacy, and we're supporting them, and we're working with them. The outcomes report that's going to come out of the Rewired Summit is a main building block to feed into that system. So now what we have, we have Rewired taking the feedback of everyone. We have the outcomes report that's going to feed into the UN system. We have the UN Transformation Education um, um, Summit, and the special advisor is actually sitting over there, Leonardo from Costa Rica. He's the former Minister of Education. We also have Minister David Senge, who is co-chairing um, um, a couple of um, um, committees uh, on, on, the, um, um, on the summit. Now we can talk, but what we need we need more engagement, we need financing, we need countries to adapt, adopt new education systems. Do we have an education system that can replace our current education system that has been uh, um, implemented 120 years ago and was done to, to, to uplift humanity at that time? It's not inclusive, there's no technology, there's no internet. It doesn't play a role with girls' education and gender equality. Do, can we create a system today that can replace it? Well, I would like to tell you that um, I want to take advantage of this session to tell you that Dubai Cares have been working on designing an education system for the past five years, and I am launching it on this panel. I have a board with me, but I don't think uh, anyone can give me 40 minutes to show you, but we have created the system. I have all the UN agencies, the World Bank, and the multilaterals approving it, and hopefully we will unveil it at the world. At, 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 thank you. At, at, we will unveil it at the UN General Assembly at the um, um, summit itself. So we are launching it. We're, set, we're, we're sending out a very big press release today. Thank you, Your Excellency. That's, uh, it's very exciting to hear, and I'm, I'm thrilled that this is the panel where you're announcing the launch of this. This is very exciting to see the progress that's been made in bringing together on a global basis thinking around new education systems to support the development of our youth across the world. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Dr. Benjafar, I would actually like to build on what His Excellency has just said in thinking about um, the new institutional models that we actually do need in a post-COVID world to engage with youth and bring together players from across the system in effective partnerships for implementation. Thank you for that. Um, most certainly what we've seen, and it's almost hard to believe, but if we just rewind for a minute and look at March 2020, um, overnight 13 million students in the Arab world, university students, not even talking K through 12, um, lost the chance to go to campus. All of their dreams got shattered in a moment. And then something magical happened. Um, everybody in the educational system decided to just move forward 
things that were in the pipeline just got accelerated. Online learning, especially in this region, was not popular. It wasn't refined. It wasn't um, being promoted except for little pockets here and there. And suddenly, everybody went into this emergency mode. What it did teach us now that we're starting to return to what is seemingly, you know, mixed bag of normal, old normal to this new normal, is that um, it is possible to change. Um, we have at the foundation supported the American University of Beirut with uh, our own uh, cooperative hub, so the Abdullah al Harer Hub for Digital Teaching and Learning at the university level to be able to take their engineering programs and further programs online and actually spread that across and see how to make it more accessible to those who cannot even afford to go to campus. Um, and looking at that and, and working with nine universities here doing the same thing and seeing how we can move into this uh, digital space um, without sacrificing the campus, but just making it mix. Looking at how we're working with uh, different actors like Udacity and Coursera and seeing how these combine. But I'll go further than that and say, even though we do have these models and these tools that are starting to work, it's patchwork. And I think that, you know, His Excellency Tarek um, said it, and he'll say it again, but he said it a lot a few months ago, it's not just about using this, these new tools, it's about rewiring, rethinking, and actually coming up with a strategy that looks different than what we've had. And we haven't gotten there yet because we're still working in pockets here and there, and we don't have a strategy that's more global that we absolutely need in education. Thank you, Dr. Benton-Chapar. Um, Dr. Tarium, and I realize we are very short on time because things have run a bit long, but I would like to ask your perspective. You have many roles that you are responsible for, both within um, the Dubai Health Authority, where you've been championing much of the, the primary health care in the COVID-19 pandemic, but also through the Noor Foundation. Um, and when we spoke a few days ago, you, you talked very um, passionately about the requirement for community engagement and effective partnership and how that partnership looks different in different countries to actually ensure successful implementation. If you could just take a few minutes to speak about that, I would think the audience would find that valuable. Yes, thank you, Elena. Well, actually, when it, uh, it comes to SDGs, um, we've heard a lot of strategies and plans and different approaches to different goals from governments and from NGOs as well as uh, uh, decision makers. Uh, and it all seems like um, it's an easy task. But when it comes to implementation, it's a different story. Uh, implementing strategies uh, that are related to uh, development and sustaining the development is not an easy task. And it's even more difficult when you're trying to have meaningful implementation with specific goals and specific uh, indicators. Um, my role in both the primary health care and the government of Dubai and, uh, and Noor Dubai, which is uh, an NGO that is specializing in preventing blindness, it is very important for us to um, in Dubai to maintain and also in other countries to establish accessibility to good quality affordable health care. Uh, health care that does not um, discriminate, health care that does not uh, uh, look at an individual as um, a male or a female or of a different religion, 
uh, or even the, the differences in the, in the cultures. So um, as you've mentioned, partnership. Partnership to me is like the pillar that all the SDGs rotate around. Uh, having clear partnership, partnership that is, again, uh, having a, a, a clear goal, uh, choosing your partners, choosing where to implement your program. I'll give you an example. When it comes to Nur Dubai, we have different programs in different countries. Uh, you might think, yes, because the needs are different from Asia to Africa to Dubai. It's true, but it's also the diversity and the differences that we see in our partners and in the culture. Because as an, we're an NGO, as an outsider, we look different, we talk different, and uh, we do things in a different way. When we go to another country or in another continent, it's very important to get the buy-in of the government, to get the people of that country engaged. That's the only way that you're going to have uh, meaningful implementation of your program, and it's the only way that your program will be sustainable after we leave and we head to another destination to help. So uh, I think what helped us in, uh, in reaching out to over 30 million uh, beneficiaries since the start of Nur Dubai 10 years ago is actually understanding where we're working, understanding the needs, and understanding the culture and the people that we're trying to help or even partner with. Uh, it's like setting up a business here in Dubai. If you don't understand the market you're working in, you will never become successful. So I think having that um, integrated um, uh, mixture of, uh, of beneficiaries and stakeholders uh, and commitments from, uh, from different uh, entities is the key to our success in uh, implementing our programs. Thank you very much, Dr. Tariam. I, um, I realize we are just about out of time, so if I may pose to all of you one final question and you can give your thoughts. I would like to leave the audience with something very tangible that they can take forward into their own thinking, their own programs. So Your Excellency and Dr. Tariam, Dr. Ben Jafar, if you, we have much still to accomplish by 2030 to achieve the SDGs. Um, in your view, what is the most critical factor to drive implementation and accelerate our achievements for, for many programs? What, what is the piece you would leave our audience with today? Your Excellency. I would focus on, on, on SDG 4, and, and, and I would focus on the uh, existing out-of-school youth, the 15-year-olds, 16, 17, 18, 19. What are we going to do with those? We will find solutions for the children. I, I have no doubt that we will, and, and we will prevail, and we will change the education system, hopefully, inshallah. But what's going to happen with the current youth? They're out of the school system. They don't have any support, any lifeline. What we need to do, we need to get the private sector speaking to government, speaking to ministries of education, ministries of economy, and ministry of finance to tell them what are the future jobs that are awaiting and what kind of curricula and skills they require from now so the ministries of education starts working on it and the ministry of economy looks at a human being as an investment to the future. So it's collaboration between the private sector and government towards sustainable development. Thank you, Your Excellency. Dr. Ben-Jafar? I would say um, that I'd like to see us move from the opportunistic partnership models that have gotten us into the crisis mode that we're in, and I'd like to see us move into uh, an ecosystem of partnerships that is purposefully built based on a shared set of values, which is sustainability and the SDGs. 
And to do that, that means that we need to really do step out of our comfort zone and find those corporates or governments that we may not understand, and but to find the shared value set and say, okay, how are we going to do something together that is beneficial for you and for me and for everyone? Um, and it sounds a little bit up in the pie in the sky, but that is what we did at the Refugee Education Fund, and we were able to double our targets in two years, from 20,000 refugees to f over 40,000 refugees because of our partnership model. So it, it really does work. Thank you, Dr. Benjafar. Dr. Tariam. Um, well, I was uh, very honored last year when I was invited to chair one of the uh, global councils on SDG, and I was even more pleased when I found out that it's a nexus model. Uh, and the nexus model meaning that uh, we develop programs that are still within the scope of preventing blindness, but we actually improve multiple goals, not just healthcare. And I think uh, that's where uh, we need to understand that uh, no matter how specialized or how small the work you're doing is, you are actually influencing or impacting multiple goals, not just, not just one. And, and that's where the beauty of partnership comes in. Uh, the other thing uh, that's really important is that we, it's a learning journey. Everything that we do, you've mentioned COVID, and I think uh, being um, blessed, being in the United Arab Emirates, I think we've had the best success story for controlling the spread of COVID and recovering from it. And one of the evidence is us being here without masks and uh, uh, during the government summit. And I think one of the key factors that, that uh, drove the success is having a government that puts the people first, like at the top of its priority, the top of its agenda, and having the people who trust in the government. And, and I think the, the synergy between those two is, is, was the driving force. We did have strategies, yes. We did have um, uh, disruption. We did have a total change in the way we implement things. But it wouldn't have happened without the, um, the as I mentioned, the synergy between the government and the people. And I think if we learn from that, uh, and we can implement something similar in different countries. Uh, not only are we ready for the next crisis, but we're, we're ready to spread uh, what we have learned uh, internationally. Thank you very much. Um, if the audience would please join me in thanking our esteemed panelists for this lovely conversation.